The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. I want to talk tonight about Authenticity Texas. I want to talk about Texas tonight, Authenticity Texas. And I'm going to speak on this subject tonight. And I know that I'm doing a lot of standalones. I'm not into, I just don't feel like I need to get into any kind of series just yet. I'm just kind of flowing with what God wants me to say. I'm going to talk tonight about real forgiveness. Real forgiveness. I, I, I just think it's important that we forgive because we have been forgiven. Amen. We have been forgiven and we need to forgive. Matthew 6 and 14 says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's pretty, pretty plain, isn't it? Some years ago, two teenagers with a long history of crime and delinquency robbed the YMCA in a particular city. And on the way out, they spied this young man at the switchboard, telephone switchboard. They were frightened and assumed that he was probably calling the police. And so they seized him and beat him savagely with brass knuckles and with a blackjack. Thinking he was dead, they hit him behind the radiator near the swimming pool and they escaped. Later that evening, a woman who came to swim was walking by the pool and she slipped in a man's blood. And she screamed and then found Donald Tippett's body. He lived, but one eye was so badly damaged they could not save it. He lost that eye. Meanwhile, the two teenagers were apprehended and brought to trial, and their past records assured that both would get long sentences. However, Donald Tippett did an amazing thing. He requested that the judge allow the two young men to be paroled to his charge. He wanted to give them another chance. He believed that they could change. He wanted to forgive them, and he did. There's some great people in this world. More on that story later. The power of God is released every time we forgive one another. The greatest secret that we could ever not know is that forgiveness releases the power of God in a house. God wants to give this church and all churches in America perpetual revival A continuous harvest that should be a byproduct of a great church. Ecclesiastes said there's a time to plant and there's a time to reap. Amos said in in chapter 9, the plowman shall overtake the reaper. In other words, you can't get the crop out of the field fast enough before more planting comes behind the reaping. There are seven, seven psalms of forgiveness in the 150 psalms in the book in the Old Testament. Psalm 6, Psalm 32, Psalms 38, Psalm 51, 130, and 143. Seven is the number of perfection. Perfection in the Psalms is about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Hear me. Forgiveness brings revival. Forgiveness brings a move of God. Jesus forgave. He forgave knowledgeable people. He forgave ignorant people. He forgave apathetic people. What people were did not deter what Jesus did. He forgave everybody. He forgave us all. He forgave all of us. Paul said in Colossians chapter 2, And you he hath made alive together with him, 
having forgiven you all trespasses. Say amen to that. Having wiped out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing triumphing over them in it, because he forgave us. Jesus, while on the cross, thought forgiveness. Jesus, while dying on the cross, thought forgiveness. A, a, A thief on one side asked for pardon, and he gave it to him. Spears and nails and thorns were all a part of his life at the end, but his thought was forgiveness. And when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, he released a miracle that changed all of history. When he died, forgiveness was ours. Anybody believe that tonight? Jesus' blood had purchased our freedom. The power of forgiveness crushed Hell's gates, open cold tombs of the dead, raised bodies of the faithful, rent a veil in the house of God, and all because of three words, Father, forgive them. Hallelujah. Three things he did at Calvary. He forgave all of our trespasses and debts. I want to tell you something. I am forgiven. So I need to live like it. Does anybody here feel forgiven? If the cross didn't do it all, then we have no hope. But because of the cross, we have hope. We have hope in the cross. Everybody say, I live like it because I am forgiven. Say, I'm forgiven. The second thing he did, he canceled out our our decree of death. I now have life. I am a forgiven, alive person. I'm not a forgiven, dead person. I'm a forgiven, alive person. And number three, he disarmed the principalities and the powers. He tore up the devil's playground, which was our mind. Everybody say, I'm forgiven. I'm alive. And I have a sound mind. I have a mind that knows I have been forgiven. I have a mind that knows I can live for God in this life. I have a mind that knows I can make it all the way to glory. I have a mind that knows I can get up every morning and be an overcomer. I have a mind. I'm alive and I'm forgiven and I have a mind that is sound. Oh, somebody help me preach right now. Clap your hands real big because we are alive. We've been forgiven and our mind has been healed. The enemy cannot ever legally have you back after you've been born again. If you want to be saved, you can be saved. If you want to be healed, you can be healed. If you want to be forgiven, you can be forgiven. It's already paid. It's already been taken care of. Come on, just get in here and be a part of what God is doing in this last hour. The easiest thing to do is fall in love with Jesus Christ. And the hardest thing to do is to walk away from him. Why don't you just get lazy and get easy and fall in love with Jesus? 
We've got a shallow end in this pool. You can put your tippy toes in. You'll like what you feel. You'll put your foot in after a while. Then you'll be up to your ankles and up to your knees. And before long, it'll be up to your waist and you'll be floating in it. And you say, why did I ever stay away? I'm telling you, forgiveness is rich, it's real, and it's from Jesus Christ. He gave it to us. Say amen to that. The enemy can never legally have you back after you're born again, but he'll try to hit your ride and harass you if there is resentment or unforgiveness in your life. He'll do it. Now, let's talk. Jesus said, the ruler of this world has come, and he has nothing in me. Nothing in me. Children of God that believe in that Jesus should be able to say the same thing to an enemy trying to destroy your faith in the God that has saved you. The enemy of this world has come and he has nothing in me. Paul said, you can be angry, but you don't have to sin. It's all right to say, mm, mm, mm. It's all right. But you don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And you don't give place to the devil. You just don't do it. 2 Corinthians 2 said, To whom you forgive anything, he said, I forgive also. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I forgive it for your sakes. Forgave I it in the person of Jesus Christ. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Now I want to make three little old points here. I'm going to start preaching in just a minute. Unforgiveness, folks, gives Satan a place in your life. Unforgiveness gives Satan a place in your life. It gives him stock. And if he has stock in your life, he'll show up at a stockholder's meeting. And he'll demand a voice. He wants to be heard. What then is forgiveness? One man said it this way. Forgiveness is surrendering my heart to hurt for you, surrendering my right to hurt for you hurting me. Let me say it again. Surrendering my right to hurt for you hurting me. Remember, Satan lives in the darkness and you live in the light. The forces of darkness are beneath us. Ephesians 2 said we have been raised to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So my point tonight is don't stoop to a prince when you can sit with a king. I'm not trying to be smart with that, but that's pretty powerful stuff right there. The second thing I want to talk about is one is obligated to forgive. It is an obligation of us to forgive because we have been forgiven. And to whom much is given, much is required. And if he forgave us much, we need to forgive much. You know what? We ought to just start living in total forgiven spirits in our lives. We need to just walk through life and say, you know what? I'm not going to let what that person said about me destroy me. I'm going to forgive them and I'm going to walk on. I'm going to walk on because I refuse to allow something to get between me and my destination. Because that means the thing that's between me is bigger than the thing that I'm going to. And I'm going to get it beside me and behind me. 
I had a little lady in, in, in Dallas at the church. She said, Pastor, I just can't worship in this church. I said, why? She said, there's a person in this church <laughs> that sits about three rows in front of me that I just don't like. And I said, well, why don't you like them? She said, I just don't like them. I just have a don't like factor in me. I don't like them. I said, well, you don't have to like them. You've got to love them to go to heaven. She said, oh, God, I knew you was going to say that. She said, every time I come to church, I see them, and it just bugs the fire out of me. And I said, well, let me tell you what you need to do. And I was just a little old young preacher. I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I said, you know, I noticed there's nobody sitting on our front row at our church. I said, why don't you move from the row you're sitting on and get in the front row, then you put behind you what was in front of you, and maybe you can go forward. Now, that was simple. But you know what? It wasn't long till she, sitting on the front row, had to turn plumb around to see the thing. What you need to do is move ahead of what is besetting you and allow yourself to get closer to the kingdom of God and to the presence of God and put behind you what wants to stay in front of you. And you know what? It was about three months later those two people were going out and having cheeseburgers together. Because it's amazing what you can do when you understand the obligation of life is to forgive. Whether the offending party deserves it or not, you are obligated to forgive because you have been forgiven. It's God's tool of freedom. Jesus' forgiveness disarmed the devil on a cosmic scale and ours disarms the enemy in earthly relationships. Christians do not need to feel weighted down, not being able to get release and become bitter, allowing pockets of resentment in your life. Easy to do, hard to admit, harder to get out. Because bitterness has a root. And that root is the star of wormwood. And it will destroy you. I do not want this church to have people that just can't let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Well, I think I'll just go to another church. No, no, you're not going to do that. That ain't going to happen. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. We're going to fix it. Because you're not going to get the third floor in heaven and they get the first floor. You're going to have to fix it. Sometimes you're going to have to come to a fix-it place and get it fixed. Because forgiveness was given to you on a cross. And you ought to be able to give it to somebody else because of the price that was paid for your forgiveness. Clap your hands and rejoice in that. So unforgiveness... Give Satan the place. We're obligated to forgive. And forgiveness is a choice. Everybody say, it's a choice. Everybody say, I choose to be a forgiver. We're taking communion in a little while, and we're going to have a spirit of forgiveness in this house tonight. Forgiveness is one of the least known secrets of answered prayer. Jesus, Jesus said, freely you have received, freely give. You know, Jacob and Esau were different boys. And the youngest one cheated the oldest one of his birthright. And later, his blessing of fortune at Isaac, his dad's death, their dad's death. One bowl of soup, folks, one bowl of soup, one pot of, one, one bowl of pottage kept Esau from being in the lineage. Would have been Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because one boy wanted it more than the other boy did. But the flesh worked, but Esau was also cheated. And years later, Esau is coming with 400 men. He's going to meet his brother, and there was no place to hide. And Jacob 
except in God was the only place he could hide. And Jacob had an encounter at a place called Peniel. You'll read about it in Genesis chapter 32. He had a encounter with God and he never walked the same again. In fact, the Lord shrunk his sinew and his thigh and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. And, when the, and he also walked with a new name. <laughs> Amen. I no longer will call you Jacob, the cheater, the supplanter. I'll call you Israel for as a prince you have power with God. Amen. So Jacob bowed seven times seeking forgiveness and reconciliation. And Esau recognized something in Jacob. And the forgiveness flowing through Jacob overwhelmed Esau and turned his embittered heart around in a matter of seconds. Let me tell you something. 27 years washed away of hatred and bitterness and anger and, and simmering and boiling vindication. Here is the secret. We know we need to give forgiveness or we know we have to have forgiveness. If you know you need to give it or you know you need to have it, both of them need to get into the presence of God. And when you get in the presence of God, you'll walk out of that presence feeling better than you've ever felt in your life and you're ready to forgive everybody in the world. And you're ready to be forgiven of everything you ever had. I remember an old pastor coming to our, our church years ago. This was so precious. And he said, you know, when I'm in a restaurant eating a steak, I can think of people that I don't like and I want to go out and just, just fuss at them. But say, when I come off of a seven-day fast and been laying before the Lord, I say, I'll forgive everybody. Just give me something to eat, please. I'll forgive everybody. It's time. We don't need to make forgiveness hard because the one that made it tough was the one that died for us on a cross. We need to forgive as we have been forgiven. Amen. It's an amazing thing. There's an old boy in the Bible that found a guy that owed him $10. Okay, he owed him $10. And, 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 and he, was, he was wanting that $10 back. But he found out that he owed the king a whole bunch more money. And the king called him in when he found out he was bothering this boy that owed him $10. And he called him in and he said, I'm going to forgive you of your debt. I want you to get out of here. I'm going to cleanse everything. You're going to be forgiven of everything. He owed him probably, the, the, uh, uh, according to the measurements today, probably about $2 million. And he went out forgiven by the king and had a $10 hiccup with a man on the street. And he said, I can't forgive you. And he started choking him down and said, give me my money, give me my money. And the king found out about it. And the Bible said, turn him over to the tormentors. Now, I want to say something. I don't know what all that is. But I don't want to live a life of torment in my life. I don't want to be tormented by everything in my life. I want to live a life when I lay down at night. I've got a peace that passes understanding. I've got a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. And I've got a God that is right there beside me. Come on, it's time to understand we have been forgiven much. It's time to forgive little things. Amen. Amen. We had some people that got offended. Got offended. Because something was different. Somebody was not treating them right. It wasn't anything the church did. They just got offended at people in the church. And they can't come to church anymore. They, and they, so they're just sitting at home. Why, why sit at home? Uh, Pastor, you've never done this. I know it, but I'm calling it out right now. Why sit at home when you can come to a church like this on Wednesday night and in about 10 seconds say, I forgive and just be free as a... Come on, just be free. Does that mean I have to like them? No. But you need to forgive. Amen. 
I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. I'm just not getting there. <laughs> See, forgiveness is more important for us than it is for people. I need to forgive whether I feel I have the right to be angry or not. It will keep my heart clean. It pleases God. And I, I want to I share something with you here just a moment. I want to share something with you. I have, I have had, I've had offenses in three areas of my life, physical, I've had offenses in my spiritual, and I've had offenses in my mind, okay? And they were massive. They were massive. One was the death of a family. One was the loss of a brother. And the other was a minister that absolutely did me in. And I've never told that story. But I'm telling you that it doesn't matter what it is, physical, mental, or spiritual. It doesn't matter. When you make up your mind that you're not going to let that overwhelm you, that I'm bigger than that because I've been forgiven of bigger things and I'm going to meet in my life. And I'm standing here tonight loving God, loving this church, and having forgiven the things that wanted to hold me back from the ministry God wanted to give me. Does that make sense? It's tough to face physical losses like a family. It's tough to face spiritual losses like a minister attacking you. And it's tough to face mental, uh, 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 mental things like the loss of your brother the way he took his life. But I'm declaring to you, I'm declaring to you, I have been angry. My, brother, my brother's birthday is today, okay? My brother's birthday. He'd be 70 years old today, and I love the fire out of him. And he took his life 35 years ago, and, I, and, you know, I was angry for a long time. But one day I came to the conclusion, how can I change that? I can't change what he did, but I can change how I view what he did and give him permission because I forgive what he did against our family. And I had to do that. And when I did that, I felt a freedom. I felt something come up out of me. And I began to preach like I'd never preached before because I held that against him for such a long time. It is senseless to do that kind of thing, but I did it. But here I stand tonight saying, I've been set free because I forgave and let it go. I just let it go. I let it go. Amen. Amen. One day when I get brave enough, I'll tell the story of the minister, but I won't tell it tonight. But it's over. It's forgotten. It's in the past. I, it's not forgotten. It's forgiven. It's in the past. It's over. If that would have happened, I wouldn't be here tonight. I'd be someplace else. I'd be in another church preaching. And if I, if I knew the joy that I was going to have here, and I was somewhere else, I'd probably get aggravated because I've been a lot of churches and people don't like church on Wednesday night and you folks love church on Wednesday night. You know, Joseph was put in a pit and sold by his brothers and in Potiphar's house, his wife lied on him and he's in a prison some 17 years forgotten and then he prophesied to two men, a butler and a baker, and one of them forgot him. But then he was elevated to power. But he refused to dwell on rights and wrongs. And at the very young age of 30, he became second in command because he knew how to forgive his brothers. He became their savior. And all the house of Pharaoh heard him weep. 
And the world needs to know, the community of the change, that we have the ability to know how to forgive people. To know how to forgive people. You know, in the revival that God is sending this church, now you listen to me. There might be people walk in here that you knew from the former life. That you knew from out there. We have had all kinds of people get saved in this church. I wish I could give you a litany of the. We've had all, we've had drug dealers get saved in this church. We've had people that whip people and beat them down. We've had, we've had appointed not assassins but appointed beater uppers, in this church that just did mean stuff on the streets of Austin, Texas, and now they're washed in the blood of the Lamb and they're in the house of God praising God. And there's a lot of things that happen out there. That when people walk in here and face the presence of God, they get changed in the moment. Amen. Oh, I'm preaching right now. And there's no need to hold on to yesterday. There's no need to hold on to that because when God changes somebody, He is changed. Saul. Saul Saul was a church hater. He was a church persecutor. He killed people. And one day God got him. He looked up and he went stone blind. I think he saw an eclipse and he tried to look into the eclipse. <laughs> went stone blind. And the Lord said, go to Ananias. Go to the street called Straight. There's a man named Ananias. He'll tell you what to do. And he went and found Ananias. And can you imagine Ananias meeting Saul of Tarsus? Oh, God. He's probably going to put a sword through me before I get through preaching tonight. But he didn't. And Ananias baptized him and the scales fell off his eyes and he was changed God changes people and if he changes people who am I to look on what they were not what they are Mike Barber Mike Barber's my buddy and he told a story. I think he might have told it here, but if he didn't, he told me the story. I love Mike. I love his prison ministry. There was a man that, that, that killed a young lady in a particular town and was sentenced to prison. And the girl's brother, get this now, committed a crime just to get into that same prison because he wanted to kill him. He, he got in that prison to kill the man that had killed his sister. But while in prison, Something got a hold of the brother and changed his heart. And one day he walked up to the man that had killed his sister and he said, you know what, I got in this prison to take your life. But I want you to know I forgive you. And it wasn't very much longer till the mother of the daughter and the son, she adopted the boy that killed her daughter. And when he got out of prison after serving a long sentence, she was there and had the fatted calf and welcomed him home. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. It's very difficult to live with little grievances in your heart when you hear those kind of stories. Because our little old stuff does not matter anything. We're talking about a world where people die, where people are killed, where people are destroyed. And here we are saying little grievances, you know, this happened and that happened, and I can't, I can't, just can't get happy with this, I can't get happy with that. It's time to settle yourself down and look back to the cross and say, He forgave me much, I'm going to forgive much in my life. Amen. Would you say amen to that and clap your hands? Now.
Let me let me kind of let me kind of let me kind of talk a little bit. Jeremiah thirty four tells a story of a king called Zedekiah. He was imprisoned by Zedekiah because he was preaching in and about Jerusalem, and he was talking some negative things about about Judah. And yet, when surrounded by King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon, Jeremiah said from the prisons, "The city will fall, but King Zedekiah, you will live." You'll not die by the sword. And Zedekiah observed the law of remission. He started remitting. He let all the slaves go free, all the Hebrew slaves. He forgave debts of the bond servants, even though they were not fully paid. And Babylon's king withdrew because when mercy and forgiveness flooded Jerusalem, the king of the world could not overwhelm it. Forgiveness puts the enemy on defense. Forgiveness bound Satan's power and purpose. However, when the death threat ended, people went back to their old ways. They put their brothers back in slavery. All in the book of, of Jeremiah chapter 34. The book of Lamentations should have never been written by Jeremiah, but he had to because full pardon was never given by the, by the king, only partial pardon. You know, it's just conditional pardon. If you're going to forgive, you've got to let it go. You have to let it go. God said trouble's coming back because you took back what you surrendered. And Nebuchadnezzar came back and took owners as slaves to Babylon while the former slaves stayed behind and possessed the land and belongings. Hallelujah. Because you don't dig up what you have buried. You let it lie in the grave and never go back to it again because it's covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you don't go fishing in that pond again. You know, God suddenly may call for an audit. Are you ready for an audit? Jesus said disciples were known for their love. James said mercy always triumphs over judgment. Love covers a multitude of sin. Some of us need to get away from that ledger sheet mentality. You know, well, it's an eye for an eye. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's I forgive. I'm going to let it go. Because people who forgive are bigger than anything that ever hurts them. When you forgive, you're bigger than anything. Am I helping somebody tonight? Am I helping somebody tonight? I, uh, I want to I finish this. I want to finish this. There's three keys to forgiveness, and I want you to write these down. Number one, you've got to forgive all the circumstances, all of them. You've got to forgive the circumstances. Whatever circumstance you're up against, you've got to forgive the circumstance. Number two, you've got to forgive people that put you in that circumstance. And number three, and I'm going to preach right now, you've got to forgive yourself. I, 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 I'm not tired of it, but I'm, I'm, I'm at my wits end with some people that won't forgive themselves. They just waller in the mire of just self-pity because they won't forgive themselves. It's time to say, I forgive me. I'm going to forgive me. I'm not going to fight the cross. I'm not going to disagree with the blood of Jesus. I'm going to forgive who I am and what I have done. And it's time for you to quit walking around with your head down, but put your head up and say, I'm a child of the king. 
I belong to him. Hell does not know how to accept that kind of person, but you need to forgive yourself. You need to forgive yourself. You need to get in the presence of God and lift up your hands and say, I forgive the circumstance, I forgive people, and I'm going to forgive who I am and what I have done. I refuse to let what my past has been to ruin what I am today. I'm sorry I'm a little loud here tonight, but I feel like preaching that. Forgive yourself. Mm. Galatians 6 said the law of the harvest is going to come. You sow forgiveness, you're going to reap forgiveness. You sow judgment, you're going to reap judgment. Peter asked the Lord one day, how many times have we forgiven a day? And the Lord said, he said seven times. He said seven times 70. 490 times. You know, there's 16 hours of daylight in the day. You divide 16 into 490, it's over 30 times an hour. That's every two minutes you're saying, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. I forgive, I forgive. I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. What you thinking? I forgive. What's on your mind? I forgive. I just forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. Oh my God, that all you study? I forgive. I forgive. Every two minutes, instead of thinking resentment, pain, say, I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. You receive that? I forgive. I forgive. I forgive. Lord Jesus, let me give you the rest of the story. Paul Harvey speaking here. Donald Tippett, I finish his story. One of the boys blew his opportunity, committed another crime, and was caught and went back to jail. The other boy, however, was responsive to Tippett's kindness and forgiveness. He went to college, then to medical school. He became one of our nation's leading surgeons, an eye surgeon. <laughs> Reporter writing about Tippett's amazing story of forgiveness said of the surgeon's accomplishments, I wonder if he ever performs one of those delicate, delicate eye operations without thinking of the night in the YMCA and the young man whose confidence and forgiveness changed his life. There's no telling what kind of revival flood will happen when we release forgiveness to people. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. Somebody asked me one time what was the crux of preaching and I say forgiving people of everything they bring into the church every service. That opens up the door of revival from a pastor's heart to a saint's heart because I don't know what you do. I don't know your lives. I just know you show up at church and whatever is on your heart, I forgive you. Whatever is in your mind, I forgive you. Whatever is churning in your stomach, I forgive you because I want you to go to heaven. I want you to walk in white someday. And I want you to go down the streets of gold saying, hallelujah, somebody told me that I needed to forgive because I've been forgiven of so much in my life. Amen. Clap your hands and rejoice in that tonight, right now. Amen. Randy, if you'll help me.
there is a, there's a rare condition that doctors call superior autobiographical memory. And it is a situation that happens to people who remembers every day of their life, every blessing, every curse, every high, every low, every bitter word. That is a condition that happens to some people. What I'm going to ask God tonight is to do is to remove and heal everybody from superior autobiographical memory and let you just walk out of here with a blank slate <laughs> washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. The crux of preaching is to tell you that Jesus forgave you and he loves you and he wants you to live for him. And you can walk in a spirit of forgiveness in your life. You receive that tonight? You receive that tonight? All right, it's been about two minutes. I forgive. I forgive. That's how it works. You just keep pouring it on. You just keep pouring it on. In 98, I was praying in this building. and I've told you the story about, about asking God what would grow a church. And he said, would you, would you forgive the man? Could you forgive the man that took your wife and boy's life? <laughs> And I said, Lord, I think I could. I don't know where he lives. And the Lord did said, could you pastor him? Well, now that's another question. But one day it happened. Long story, but I'll give you the short version. It happened. He walked to the church, confessed to me, been in prison for 17 years, and he wanted to make it right. And when I pastored him the next eight years, eight and a half years, it hit me one day, what does it matter? What does it matter? What does it matter for me to hold a grudge against somebody that was drunk and didn't understand, had no understanding? What would it matter? What, what good does it do me to hold that grudge? It does nothing. It does nothing for me to hold a grudge against somebody. It does nothing. It doesn't do anything to him. It sure doesn't do anything to the people that's in the grave. I'm the loser. If I don't say, you know what? I'm going to forgive. And that spirit of forgiveness has to live in you. It's not just say, I forgive and get out of here. No, no, no. They come to church. They keep coming. They keep walking in the door. And you preach and live in that forgiveness. And all of a sudden, God started swelling this church with revival. We had our greatest growth because forgiveness brings the rush of the presence of God. It really, really does. And I know some of you have heard that story two or three times, but it doesn't matter. People are in this church that never heard that story, and they need to know something, that forgiveness works. It truly works. And if you want to have true freedom in your life, choose to forgive the circumstance, choose to forgive people, and choose to forgive yourself. 
Would you stand all over the building? I love you from the bottom of my heart. Clap your hands and rejoice. The word of the Lord tonight. Clap your hands and rejoice. Clap your hands.